0: In John Piper's interpretation of Romans 15, 5, 13, he emphasizes the continuity between this passage and Romans 9, particularly focusing on the invincibility of God's word and promises. Both Romans 9:6 and Romans 15, eight accentuate that God's word has not failed but stands confirmed. However, the two passages offer different grounds for this invincibility. In Romans 9, the focus is on the concept of unconditional election, meaning that within Israel, There is an elect Israel chosen by God for salvation. The word of God will never fail those whom he has sovereignly planned to save. This is the basis for the invincibility of God's word in Romans 9. On the other hand, Romans 15.8 affirms Christ's role in confirming God's promises. Here, Christ is portrayed as a servant to the Jewish people, born to fulfill the promises given to their forefathers. His redeeming work serves as the ground for the invincibility of God's word in Romans 15. Both passages therefore affirm the unfailing nature of God's Word, but attribute it to different aspects of God's plan, one to the concept of election and the other to the redemptive work of Christ. Piper's analysis asserts the coherence in Paul's message across these chapters, highlighting that God's promises stand firm, whether viewed through the lens of election or redemption. Also, Piper indicates the inseparability of the doctrine of God's unconditional election from the saving work of Jesus Christ. Piper argues that God's choice of whom to save was made in Christ before the world's foundation. This means that the events of Christmas, Good Friday and Easter were not afterthoughts but integral to God's eternal plan for salvation. God's promises stand not just because he is sovereign in his choices, as Romans 9 suggests, but also because he fulfills these promises through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as maintained in Romans 15. Piper focuses on Romans 15.8, 9 to explore why it is good news that Christ came on behalf of the truth of God. These verses state that Christ became a servant to the Jewish people to confirm God's promises and to allow Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. Piper notes that Christ's service is not separate from his role in vindicating the truth of God. Rather, it is the means by which he does so. Christ serves humanity by establishing the truth of God, fulfilling promises made to the Jewish forefathers and extending mercy to the Gentiles. In summary, Piper's interpretation insists that the doctrine of unconditional election must always be viewed in the context of Christ's saving work. God's eternal plan for salvation was always centered on Christ, making the events of Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter pivotal in the fulfillment of God's promises. Christ's incarnation serves both to confirm these promises and to glorify God, thereby serving humanity by vindicating God's truth. Moreover, Piper explores why it is beneficial for humanity that Christ came to vindicate the truth of God. Piper identifies four reasons, but the first and most fundamental is that Christ's coming shows that God is true primarily to himself. Piper points out that God's truthfulness is not just about fulfilling promises, but is rooted in his very nature. God is the definition and standard of truth, and there is no external measure by which he is evaluated. Piper refers to Paul's distinction in Romans 15 eight between Christ coming on behalf of the truth of God and to confirm the promises given to the fathers. While these may seem similar, Piper contends that the former is deeper, pointing to God's inherent truthfulness. This is crucial because it prevents us from reducing God's attributes to their relevance to us, thereby preserving God's self-sufficiency. Piper cites 2 Timothy 2.12, 13 to reiterate that God's most fundamental faithfulness is to himself. If God were not true to himself, he would be false and unworthy of our faith. Christ's coming serves us by confirming God's deepest trueness, his faithfulness to himself. This is good for humanity because if God were not true to himself, our hope for everlasting joy would be lost. Therefore, Christ's coming is a service to us, affirming the truth and faithfulness of God. Furthermore, Piper repeats that God's primary allegiance is to himself, followed by his allegiance to his word and promises. Piper underlines that Christ serves as the confirmation of God's promises, as stated in verse 8. Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. This means that God's promises are true not just because God is inherently truthful, but also because Christ came to affirm and buy these promises. In addition, Piper references 2 Corinthians 1.20 to reinforce this point, stating that all of God's promises find their yes in Christ. Through Christ, believers can confidently say Amen to God's promises, giving glory to God. Piper's key message is that God's promises are doubly secured, first by the nature of God himself, and second by the work of Christ. Further, Piper underscores the core message of Christmas, the fulfillment of God's promises through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. According to Piper, humans are inherently undeserving of any promise of good from God due to their sinful nature. What they deserve is punishment. However, through faith alone, they receive fulfilled promises instead of the deserved punishment. This is made possible because Jesus Christ came to serve humanity and give his life as a ransom for many, as stated in Mark 10.45. He bore the sins of humanity and became a curse to rescue people from the law's curse, as mentioned in Galatians 3.13 and 1 Peter 2.24. Piper debates that all of God's promises are confirmed and made available to us through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This is why prayers are often closed with the phrase, In Jesus' name, Amen. This phrase signifies that the person praying acknowledges their unworthiness, but appeals to Jesus' worthiness to fulfill the prayer. In essence, praying in Jesus' name is an admission of one's own unworthiness and a declaration of faith in Jesus' ability to fulfill God's promises. Therefore, Christ's coming serves to confirm God's promises by purchasing them for sinners, making the promises accessible to those who believe. Besides, Piper emphasizes the universal reach of Christ's blessings, which extend beyond the Jewish community to include Gentiles as well. Piper refers to verse 8 and 9 to accentuate that Christ became a servant to confirm God's promises to the Jewish people and to extend his mercy to the Gentiles. The core message is that the blessings of Christ are rooted in God's mercy, a theme celebrated by saints and prophets across both the Old and New Testaments. Piper cites Micah 718 to illustrate how God's mercy is a transformative force that breaks human pride and instils hope and courage. This mercy is not just a theological concept, but a lived experience that empowers individuals to love even in challenging circumstances. Additionally, Piper mentions a hymn by Samuel Davies based on the Micah text to affirm the unmatched grace and mercy of God. In summary, Piper disputes that the coming of Christ serves to confirm God's promises of mercy, which are not limited to a specific group but are available to all. This universal mercy is what enables us to love, hope and find courage in difficult times. Last but not least, Piper asserts that God's gifts, including forgiveness, are not ends in themselves but means to bring us closer to God. Piper argues that the ultimate purpose of Christ's sacrifice is not just to offer relief from sin or punishment, but to enable us to enjoy God for eternity. He warns against viewing forgiveness merely as a ticket for sinning without consequences or as a means for psychological relief. According to Piper, the true aim of Christ's service, as stated in Romans 15.9, is for us to glorify God for His mercy. Piper suggests that God is glorified when His mercy leads us to see Him as the most enjoyable person in the universe. Christ's coming serves multiple purposes. It proves God's truthfulness to himself, confirms his promises, and most importantly, reveals that the essence of his promised mercy is God himself. Piper concludes by urging us to recognize our deep need for mercy, and to let this understanding fill our hearts with love for our Saviour, Jesus Christ. This, according to Piper, is the true meaning of Christ's coming, and the essence of the Christmas message. He calls on us to not only praise God, but also to reflect his mercy in our actions. In conclusion, Piper delves into the invincibility of God's Word and promises, drawing parallels with Romans 9. While Romans 9 focuses on unconditional election as the basis for the invincibility of God's Word, Romans 15 highlights Christ's role in confirming these promises. Piper contends that both election and Christ's redemptive work are inseparable and integral to God's eternal plan for salvation. Also, Piper explores why Christ's coming is beneficial for humanity. He identifies four reasons, the most fundamental being that Christ's coming affirms God's inherent truthfulness. This is crucial because it establishes God's self sufficiency and prevents us from reducing God's attributes to their relevance to us. Piper indicates that God's primary allegiance is to himself, followed by his allegiance to his word and promises. These promises are doubly secured, first by God's inherent nature and second by Christ's work. Moreover, Piper discusses the universal reach of Christ's blessings extending beyond the Jewish community to include Gentiles. He debates that these blessings are rooted in God's mercy, a transformative force that empowers individuals to love even in challenging circumstances. Furthermore, Piper warns against viewing God's gifts like forgiveness, merely as ends in themselves. According to him, the ultimate purpose of Christ's sacrifice is to enable us to enjoy God for eternity. Piper concludes by urging us to recognize our deep need for mercy, and to let this understanding fill our hearts with love for our Saviour, Jesus Christ. This, he says, is the true meaning of Christ's coming and the essence of the Christmas message.